chapter 23, verse 1. A long time passed after Yahweh made Israel secure from their enemies, and Joshua was very old. So Joshua summoned all of Israel, including the elders and rulers and leaders, judges and leaders, and told them, I am very old. You saw everything that Yahweh your God did to all these nations on your behalf, for Yahweh your God fights for you. See, I have parceled out your tribes, these remaining nations, from the Jordan to the Mediterranean. See, in the west, including all the nations I defeated, Yahweh your God will drive them out before you and remove them. So Joshua's promising, just like he drove the big cities out before you, he's going to drive the little cities out before you. So you can occupy their land as Yahweh your God promised you. Be very strong. Carefully obey all that is written in the law, scroll of Moses, so that you won't swerve from it to the right or the left. This is the same speech he gave at the very beginning. So the, the speech that he opened the conquest with, he's closing the conquest with. By the names of their gods, you must not worship or bow down to them, but you must be loyal to Yahweh your God as you have been to this very day. Verse 9, Yahweh drove out before, from before you great and mighty nations. No one has been able to resist you to this very day. One of you makes a thousands run away, and for Yahweh your God fights for you and has promised you the, that he would. Watch yourself carefully. Love Yahweh your God. But if you ever turn away and make alliances with these nations that remain near you and intermarry with them and establish friendly relations with them, know for certain that Yahweh your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. They will tra- trap and ensnare you. They will, be whip the, um, they will be a whip that tears your side and thorns that blind your eyes until you disappear from this good land that Yahweh your God gave you. Look, today I'm about to die. You will know with all your heart and being that not even one of the faithful promises of Yahweh your God made to you is left unfulfilled. Everyone it was re- Realize not one promise is unfulfilled. But in the same way, every faithful promise that Yahweh your God made to you has been realized. It is just as certain if you disobey that Yahweh, that, um, disobey that Yahweh will bring on you every judgment until he destroys you with his good land, which Yahweh your God gave you. If you violate the covenantal laws of Yahweh your God, which he commanded you to keep and follow, worship and bow down to other gods then Yahweh will be very angry with you and you will disappear quickly from the good land which he gave you now this is a lot like Moses's last speech so Moses ends says look remember every way that God has been faithful to you remember how he took care of you in the wilderness remember what he did in Egypt remember how he brought you through the Red Sea be faithful to him be obedient to him Obey his law. Do not turn to the left or the right. See, I have laid before you life and death. It's your choice what you choose. If you choose to disobey, God will come in and wipe you out. And he gives you this really long chapter in chapter 28 of all these horrible things. But if you obey, he will bring blessing to the land. And Joshua says the same thing. Every generation needs to hear this. And he makes it very clear. Look, see, you, when you heard Moses give this speech... Moses was talking about all the horrible, disobedient things that your parents did and how God was faithful despite that, but how they got judged. Now you're hearing this speech from me, but what's a little bit different is you haven't been incredibly disobedient all the time. So you now have firsthand experience of your faithfulness and God rewarding that with his faithfulness that your parents didn't have, which means you have even more to hold on to than your parents did. 
So don't go to the left or right. Stay faithful. Because if you disobey God and worship the idols, you will disappear from the land. And once again, there's that little hint there too again. Don't think that you're special. God will deal with you the same way he deals with the Canaanites. And I think this is important for us as a church to remember. Yes, you have been saved by grace. And God has sealed you in the Holy Spirit. And you are promised eternal life with God. But the blessings that we experience in this life is dependent upon our obedience. And you know that. You have children that you will always love no matter what, but that doesn't mean they get blessings from you if they're constantly disobedient all the time. And we, we, we need to remember that, like, there is, First Peter says judgment begins in the house of God. Judgment starts with the... We talk as Christians, and I mean we as in America as a whole, about those evil people out there, and they're ruining our country, and, and God's going to judge them. Look at all that immorality. And, and we forget that God starts with us. Judgment day starts with us, not with the world. And so this is what Joshua is saying. Look, you, you, God's going to deal with you first. And when we get to the prophets, you're really going to see, especially Amos. Amos will go to all these nations and say, I've got three problems with you. No, I've got four. And basically his way of saying, I can list a whole bunch. But then he, when he gets to Israel, he's like, I've got tons. And he just goes on and on and on and on. And the prophets make it very clear, you're held to a higher standard because you know better. And so Joshua basically gives a speech and says, don't think because you pulled it off, you're good. You need to make sure that every generation that goes by is faithful. And I think we too easily think like, oh, because this was good or that was good. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is that really passing it off to the next generation. I think we really assume that our kids will just pick it up. Or if I just do it here and here and there, or if we have a good Sunday school class, they'll pick it up. But you really have to work your rear end off of passing it to the next generation. Because we don't even get it. How old we are. We're in our 40s and 50s and 60s and so forth. And there's still so many things you're like, oh my gosh, why haven't I gotten this right yet? And then now you're like trying to teach that to your kids who are watching you. And so the reality is Joshua is saying, you got to really make this a priority. You've got to make this. Because they've already got weaknesses that are already starting to show up. And which means they've got to work hard. So then he gives a speech in chapter 24, which basically is a repeat. But what's interesting about this one is he says a lot of the same things, but you feel a lot more of his heart. You feel a lot more of his heart. So the book ends, the exciting conclusion. The book ends with chapter 24, verse 29. And it says, after all of this, Joshua, son of Nun, Yahweh's servant, died at an age of 110. This is the Bible's way of saying he was incredibly obedient and God rewarded him with long life. Now remember, that's not God's promise to us today, but that was to them. They buried him in the allotted territory in Tenasera. That word allotted is very important because now he's being buried in the land that God promised them and gave them in the hill country of Ephraim north of Mount Gaash. Israel worshipped Yahweh throughout Joshua's lifetime. And as long as an elderly man who outlived him remained alive, these men had experienced firsthand everything that Yahweh had done for Israel. 
So the narrator is telling you the entire time that Joshua was alive, they were faithful. Now, we know that nobody is perfectly faithful, and they've obviously made mistakes. But what God is saying is, overall, they worshipped Yahweh their entire life. They didn't go after idols, and they were faithful. And as long as the elderly men, so the men that were leaders with Joshua, and then Joshua died before them, but they're still leading, and they were like best friends with Joshua and leading with them, as long as they were alive, they stayed faithful. So Joshua had built a very good elders around himself. And what God is saying, as long as Joshua was alive, and then when he died, as long as these guys were alive, Israel stayed faithful to Yahweh and only worshipped him. And they, because they experienced firsthand everything that God had done. Now remember, technically every generation has. But the book of Deuteronomy says the only way that you can know what God has done is if you remember. And so you need to keep prayer journals. You need to build memorials. You need to do things that intentionally help you remember everything that God has done in your life. Amazing ways that he's paid bills, the way he's healed you, the way he's restored relationships, the way he's spoken to you, the experiences you've had in those dark moments. You need to memorialize these so that you can remember that you have experienced firsthand what he's done, because that's the point of Deuteronomy. Then, this is crucial, verse 32, the bones of Joseph, which Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem and the part of the field that Jacob had bought from his from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money. So it became the inheritance of the tribe of Joseph. Now, when Joseph back in Exodus dies, at the very end he says, Look, I know Egypt is not my land. And I know one day, I know, and I hope or I wish, I know one day God is going to bring us to the land of Canaan and give it to us. So when that day comes, I want you to dig up my bones and I want to carry, you carry them with me, and I want you to bury me in the land of God. And they did. When they came out of the Exodus, in chapter 14 of the book of Exodus, or sorry, that was the end of Genesis. The end of Genesis, Joseph said, make this promise to me, but dig up my bones and take them. So the Exodus chapter 14, they basically, it says, after 400 years, they took with them the bones of Joseph. And that's key. It's just one little line. And then right here, one little line again, at the very end it says they buried Joseph's bones in the land. And this is a powerful statement of one, how God has faithfully given the land not just to live in, but to also be buried in. But the other thing that's powerful is that after all these years, God has honored that promise to Joseph. It reminds you it's been a long time and that Joshua long ago believed that this day would come. And this should speak to us because I know right now, well, I feel like when is the second coming of Christ ever coming? And, and, and you may not see it in your lifetime, just like Abraham and Joseph did not. But God is saying, if you trust him and if you're faithful to him, because he's already proven himself throughout this book, that it will come one day, and he will honor his promises just like he did for them. But even if you die before that day comes, God will take care of your bones, so to speak, when that day comes. And we don't call it being buried. We call it the resurrection. 
And so what God is promising is, I've, I've been faithful after all these years to give Joseph a resting place in his death in the Lamb. Then I will be faithful to give you a resting place after your death in the new kingdom of God in the resurrection. You've just got to have the same faith that Abraham and Joseph had, that even if you don't see it in your own physical lifetime, you will see it in your resurrected lifetime. Be faithful. Be obedient. Verse 33, Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in Gibeah in the hill country of Ephraim, where his son Phinehas had been assigned the land. So the book of Exodus um, Numbers ends with the death of Aaron, high priest, passing off to his son Eleazar. And the book of Joshua ends with the death of Eleazar, passing it off to his son Phineas. And this is important because what it's saying is this is being handed off. These people that you've seen here are being handed off. What's very, very important for you to understand is, notice the key phrase here that's setting you up for the book of Judges is, as long as Joshua and the elders that were with him lived, Israel was faithful to worship Yahweh. That can seem like, oh yeah, that's definitely cool. But if you, if you pick up on the unspoken words there, like as long as that generation lived, they're faithful. Why did he specifically emphasize as long as those elders lived, they were faithful? Because what the narrator is doing now is he's setting you up for the next book. The next book, everything is getting flushed down the toilet. And so this is, so right now you have to realize is there are weaknesses, there are flaws, they have messed up. But overall, they have been incredibly faithful, incredibly obedient, and they have been faithful to worship Yahweh alone. And because of that, this book is filled with many chapters of God giving, giving, giving. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Long life, prosperity, blessings, people being buried in the land, cities being awarded, having home, getting rest, conquering everything. And these are all good things. And that's important to understand. And so basically in conclusion, this book is not necessarily a book about war and conquest, but about, it's about God's faithfulness to two things. And this is very important. We like God's one faithfulness. We're not always excited about the other faithfulness. And what this book is teaching is God is faithful to deal with sin. If you really truly want God to be faithful, you also want him to be faithful to deal with sin. And this shows that after all these years of the Canaanite sin, of all the horrible things they've done, he has been faithful to punish them. God is faithful to punish sin. And I know sometimes when you turn on the news, it feels like, is it ever going to have a revival? Are we ever going to get back? Well, we never really were, but we were good at sometimes, but it's always been problems. Are we ever going to come to a day where we're not dealing with this anymore? That's probably a better way of saying it. We're not dealing with this anymore. And what God is saying is, I am faithful. There will come a day where I will faithfully deal with sin. And I will be just. Not saying God is not just now, but there are some things that are left undealt with. But at the same time, God is faithful to also reward. And he's faithful to bless. 
And Joshua is the end, for lack of a better word, of a long story of people waiting for promises to be fulfilled. And God has been faithful. He is faithful, he's faithful. And so this is the message of Joshua. Are you willing to persevere in your faith in God? Are you willing to see what he's doing right now in your life? Are you willing to stay true and faithful to him, knowing that he has blessed you in many ways, but that any blessing that you're still waiting for will come one day? And even if it doesn't come in your lifetime, it will come in your resurrection. And the reality is, do you read this and see the track record of an incredibly good and faithful absolutely sovereign in pursuing God. And you can say, if he has been this faithful to these people, even over long periods of time of waiting, then I can trust him in my questions, my doubts, my why God, when is things going to change? Why do I keep having to struggle with this? Why that he will be faithful to me? Because the mark of a true believer It's perseverance. It's perseverance. You don't persevere to get your salvation, but that a true, saved, and faithful person perseveres. And so this is what God is saying is, I am faithful, and I don't work in your time. Because remember, one of the reasons that God waited so long with Sarai is she had to be completely barren. He waited 25 years to give her a baby after he promised it to her. And you could easily say, why, God? You made promises. You're not keeping it. I mean, I'm already 65 when you first made the promise to me, and now I've got to wait 25 more years. But it says, now when Sarai could not, she was past the age of childbearing, then God doesn't say these words specifically, but it says opened her womb. But basically what he's really saying is he resurrected her dead womb. That's the idea. He resurrected a womb that cannot produce kids. He resurrected her dead womb and gave her a child. And the point is that no one could say that that was not a miracle. And sometimes God is saying, wait, wait, wait. Because he's going to wait so long to pull off the impossible that it's going to be so obvious it's a miracle. And we've, we've just got to trust that. We've got to trust that. And we've got to be willing to put the work into it in that process. And I don't mean that a works-oriented salvation, but I mean that in a, I am faithful to be committed to. And this is what the book of Joshua is telling you. And so you see a map with land, but what you should really see for us today as Christians is joy, peace, <coughs> hope, contentment, satisfaction. The fruits of the Spirit. And this is what God is saying is, I will give you these if you're faithful like Joshua's generation. But it sets you up for the next warning, but also make sure you pass this to your kids because they're not going to, and it's going to lead to judges. Make sense? Let's close in prayer. Yahweh, we thank you so much for the amazing God that you are. We thank you that you are a faithful God a faithful God in so many ways. And we just repent right now of all the times that our selfishness, our impatience, 
our greediness, our, our blindness, spiritual blindness, whatever it is has gotten in the way of seeing your faithfulness, has gotten in the way of our perseverance, has gotten in the way of our trust, has gotten in the way of our patience, have gotten in the way of our total reliance on you. And I pray that you just forgive us of that and that you just allow us to grow from this book, to look at our lives seriously and say, where have I not been this way? And where can I change? Where can I give these areas over to you? Where can I remember that you have been faithful to me? And let that be the encouragement to me that you will be faithful to me in the future. I pray that this book would encourage us to become men and women that truly are obediently faithful to you and that we trust in you even if it doesn't come in our lifetime and that we'll trust you in the resurrection. But I also pray this book would allow us to really look into our hearts and search and see where are we not going to God when we should be? Where are we making what we think innocent decisions without God? And how can I really live a life that goes to God constantly and model that to my children? And not just a passive, this is what we do and they can watch us kind of a way, but an active actually talking about it and this is why we do it kind of a way. In Jesus' name, amen.